Just gone nine o'clock here on SCNZ's Extra Time. Ben Francis in for Ricardo Ball. I'm here with you through to 11 o'clock tonight. Uh, plenty of rugby league chat going on uh, so far on the show. And we thought we'd come in with something somewhat upbeat because uh, I'm about to talk with Stephen Gallagher from Sports Freak. And Stephen, I thought we'd celebrate because great news. The West Tigers are getting two points on the board this week. Oh, look, Ben, I don't know if that's guaranteed, actually, but I think um, I think the bye might put up a bit of a fight. But, uh, <laughs> look, uh, hopefully, you know, they've got a lot in common with the bye. They've been giving everyone two points for the last uh, six weeks. But, uh, look, uh, I'm sure they'll be absolutely chuffed to get that two points next to their name. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a long time coming. I feel a bit mean, but you, you kind of have to poke, poke them when they're down, even though they've been down for quite a while. Uh, mate, before, good to have you on the show, but... Before we get into it, um, I've been throwing a topic out there tonight with regards to crowds and going to sporting events. And one common theme which has been coming through is that uh, rugby league crowds seem to be, well, people seem to enjoy going to the league a lot more than going to the rugby. And that was pretty much a reason which got me into league. And I was just going to ask you, was that something similar to what got you into the great 13 man code? Yeah, I think so. Look, I think um, there's such a massive difference, especially in the mindset of rugby fans attending a match versus rugby league fans attending a match. And I think, um, you know, even, uh, you know, going along to the Warriors game uh, at Westpac's or Sky Stadium earlier this year and seeing the crowd and everyone dressed up, there's always a little bit of atmosphere. Everyone's got their old school jerseys on. Everyone's having a good time. And I think it's just that sort of mindset that, you know, rugby league is more of a game for everyone. I think you you relate those, you know, childhoods that people have and have all come from different ethnicities and different backgrounds and come together and, and play rugby league where rugby unions probably, and I know this is um, especially a thing in Australia, but it's very much like the private schoolboys. And, and I think, you know, all the all the things that's got, that's been going on in first 15 rugby over the 10 years and how it sort of monopolised everything, but there's, there's not that sort of vibe about rugby league. I think the thing about rugby league is just anyone can give it a go and anyone can succeed in it, especially um, with our Polynesian communities coming through and it's such a big gateway for them to come through and fans are loving it, the people are there. Look, I think, I think the food's all is a little bit better when you get to a live rugby league game. I think um, you know the 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 way that you can probably have you know, a couple of bourbon and cokes at a rugby league game. You don't get that at rugby union. And I think just the whole the whole vibe, the whole atmosphere, just sort of brings on something just a, a little bit different. It's almost hard to pinpoint, but I think you know sometimes you go to a rugby match and you if you you know you go up and uh, applaud a try and you stand up, you get told to sit down. That never happens at rugby league games, and um, that's something I think you know everyone just embraces about getting in there, getting stuck in, and not being afraid to support their team and show their true colours. I think you've summed that up very well. And the other thing I uh, I don't recall this happening at the Warriors last year, but I've heard it so much. Seen rugby on TV as they try to get the they try to get the fit it. Mercury, like hey, oh, kind of thing going, and uh, it just sounds cringy. And <laughs> when, I, when I'm, if I'm, if I'd be there, I'd be like, 
trying to hide so I wouldn't have to be seen doing that. It's just it's this painful, cheesy, just <laughs> just awful. Like I think everything, the only thing any rugby league fan wants at, uh, to hear at uh, a live Warriors game is uh, Savage and Timmy Trumpet. And if you can hear that, that's almost <laughs> like the rugby league anthem of uh, the last 10 years. Yeah, mate, totally agree. Uh, look, we're going to look ahead to the upcoming round of NRL action. Uh, we're going to start in game tomorrow night, the Dolphins, uh, the pretty big outsiders against the Rabbitohs. They've... Uh, kind of dropped down a little bit after their red hot start but uh, the Rabbitohs big favourites heading into that one Yeah I think um, yeah, they, they come in with the favourites tag especially after their dominate, dominating win last week over uh, Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs but look I think the thing about this is that there's there's that little Wayne Bennett factor in this game. You know, he obviously um, can be attributed to a lot of success that the Rabbitohs have had over the last um, three to five years and, and then now he's pretty much done the same thing with um, the Dolphins, albeit we've only been six weeks into the season. But uh, look, I think the Dolphins at home are a really good case to win this. They get Felice Cafusi back from suspension. Um, obviously, you know, they've, they've had some sort of injury concerns and everything like that, but they showed last week that they don't care who they play. They're just going to go and try their hardest to win. But I'm really enjoying the way that the, the South Sydney Rabbitohs are playing both sides of the ruck this year. You know, you've seen them dominate on the left-hand side for years and years and years, especially seeing um, the likes of Alex Johnson score pretty much 30, 30 tries a year as a given. But now they're going a lot more to the right. They're playing a lot more success down there in the form that Campbell Graham's in at the moment. He's just, um, to me, he's an origin bolter, and I think um, they're going to have a lot of success down the right-hand side. And I think... There's a lot of points on the table in this game, and I just think that there's too much firepower for the Rabbitohs to have, and I just don't think uh, that the, the Redcliffe Dolphins will be able to contain the, the magic of Lachlan Ilias, uh, Cody Walker, and Latrell Mitchell. Uh, forgive me if I'm, uh, I don't remember, but did you have the Dolphins going well this year, or were you one of the ones that I, I feel will probably suck it in a little bit? And I can explain why uh, shortly. Uh, look, I... I was one of the ones that said the Dolphins would be finishing in the bottom four. Um, and well, I that's think, better than uh, what anyone... lots of people had. <laughs> and I think anyone else who thinks that they were going to finish in the top eight, um, I'm going to call you a liar right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, look, I, I didn't think they were going to make the top eight, but I didn't think they were going to be as dreadful as everyone predicted. And my reason for that is because I... I have eaten a lot of humble pie with my thoughts with regards to Tonga. When Tonga had the World Cup, I thought uh, in 2017, I thought they're uh, not going to do well. I kind of thought their halves, you know, backline very, very inexperienced, but their forward pack led the way. And when I saw the Dolphins' forward pack and the, their backline, to me, it was quite similar. And I thought, oh, surely with that pack, surely they're going to be able to at least fight and do better than some teams. Yeah, that's right. You know, and they've also got that Christian Wolf factor too. You know, obviously he's been the head coach of Tonga um, since that 2017 campaign, and they successfully, you know, went so well then. But also, you just have to realise that this is a Wayne Bennett coach side. Like yeah. they are just not going to roll over. There's nothing about what Wayne Bennett's done in the game of rugby league for the last. 40, 50 years that shows that anything that has his fingerprints on it is a team that's just going to bow down. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, Friday night, we've got two games. It will start off with uh, the Sydney Roosters up against the Cronulla Sharks. The Roosters do go in as slight favourites, uh, but Nico Hines back for the Sharks after missing the start of the season. Surely they're going to put up a big fight. 
Yeah, and I think um, it's, it's a tough one for the Sharks because I think you know they've had two weeks to mull over that uh, that loss after being 20 nil up against the Warriors, and that will have just stung them. Um, obviously, we've seen a lot of uh, passion from Craig Fitzgibbon, their coach, and really want to be more of a defensive-minded side, and they haven't been able to do that this much this year. Um, they've leaked a few points, have conceded uh, over 20 in about three or four of their games this season, but. Um, the Roosters love going to Shark Park and winning. I think they've won their last six starts at, uh, in Cronulla, and I think they've beaten them the last eight games in a row. So it's not looking good for Cronulla fans, but look, I think that, that time off, that fresh after the bye, is really going to inspire them. I think they're going to come out all guns blazing. I, I'd expect them to, especially on a Friday night. And um, the Roosters, they definitely weren't their best last week against Melbourne. They just, you know, they lacked around the ruck. They lacked a little bit of cohesion. They they made some silly mistakes on defence and they gave away some costly penalties. But I think that, that time off the bye for Cronulla is really going to work wonders for them. And I think it's going to be a really tight contest. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think uh, Cronulla will get the win here. Yeah, oh, I hope they get over because I'm, I'm not a big Roosters fan myself, and I'm also not a fan of the Se- I'm also not a fan of the Seagulls who are playing also on Friday night against the Melbourne Storm up in Brookvale. Uh, of course, I know everyone always refers back to Stewart versus Blair, but regardless, those two teams have had some decent uh, meetings over the last ten years or so. Yeah, they've got a great rivalry. Um, we sort of sort of come back to a bit of fruition over the last sort of uh, year and a half, two years, but um, mainly, you know, they've conceded. 30, you know, they have 40 points last week and they conceded 32 the week before against Newcastle and they just haven't been looking as resilient and, and as they have been in the, in the opening parts of the season and especially when they sort of put everyone on notice. I know it was only the pre-season, but they looked really good then and they had a bit of cohesion there. But uh, it'll be really tough for them to get this win. Um, even though they are at home. I think the way that Melbourne uh, went about their work last week was fantastic. Obviously, a bit of a throwback seeing Cameron Munster getting to put the one jersey on this weekend. But um, I think that's credit to youngster Jonah Peffitt, who's played uh, three games in the NRL this season, and he hasn't looked out of place. And obviously, a lot of high raps against... Um, against his name from that uh, New South Wales under-19 game last year where he set up uh, four tries. But this Melbourne side, look, over the last couple of weeks, they sort of seem to have given us that sort of Melbourne, you know, esque performances that we're used to seeing and, you know, it only took them, you know, it took them four weeks to sort of slowly build into the air, but the last two weeks they seem to be looking really, really good. Yeah, they are. I was I was one of the ones that thought they were gonna drop off massively this year. So I'm currently I'm eating a lot, a lot more humble pie, but hey, it's that's how it goes <laughs> sometimes. Uh Saturday afternoon the Warriors finally back at home. Uh they play in the North Queensland Cowboys who they've already beaten this year. The Cowboys not having a good year, but the TAB can't really split the two teams. The Warriors are ahead and just ahead uh, in the margin. Yeah, it's tough, obviously, missing uh, Wade Ingen and Tamari Martin uh, this week. And obviously, Tamari Martin's out for the next sort of six to eight weeks with um, that leg injury he suffered last weekend against Newcastle. But I, I just want to talk about the scheduling. Like, we've, you know, the, the Warriors have already played Newcastle twice this year. They're about to play the Cowboys for a second time in four weeks this year, which is very odd to me. But this is the thing that's actually going to work in their benefit because I just don't think the Cowboys are playing that great at all. They don't look very good. Obviously, I think when Scott Water, uh, Scott Drinkwater came back last week. They sort of thought all the issues were going to be solved, but they looked soft in that first half. They looked like they just conceded some very easy tries, and they just didn't look like that sort of gritty team that we saw Todd Payton make them play last year. And um, 
I'm just, I just I do have some serious concerns around this North Queensland side, and especially that they're going to get to Mountain Smart Stadium at uh, Friday uh, on Saturday afternoon, and um, the Warriors get Tohu Harris back, which is, which is a big in. And obviously, we get to see Dylan Walker pair with Sean Johnson in the halves for the first time this year, which is a really interesting call for me. I think, um, obviously, we've seen the likes of Ronald Bogman really just tear teams apart in the New South Wales Cup and uh, Luke Metcalf still a few weeks away with that injury so I'm sure we'll see him in the next um, fortnight or, or, or month or so but um, this Warriors side, they, they, they're the real deal this year, I know that last week they didn't get the win but they pl- they still played really well, it wasn't a bad performance, it's just that Newcastle played better than them and I expect that there's um, there's a few points that they want to put on, they want to prove that they can beat the, the Cowboys twice this year by 13 plus points. Yeah, uh, sticking with the Warriors, I'm going to ask you to look ahead in your little crystal ball. So the next five games, they got the Cowboys and they got the Storm Anzac Day, Roosters five days later back in Auckland, then the Panthers Magic Round Brisbane, and then the Bulldogs. So they got those five games before the bye. And a question that I've been throwing out there has been, how do you think the Warriors are going to go in those five games? So like, how do you think they'll go? Do you think they could win at least half of them and they will be... I think if they're sitting at the at the break with another three wins on top of their what they got so seven, I think people would be pretty happy with that. Absolutely, and I think um, the toughest part is looking at that Melbourne fixture on Anzac Day. It's always been really tough, and I know that the fans think that the Warriors are uh, you know Melbourne's bogey side, but over the last sort of five years, they really haven't been. Um, obviously, playing uh, a team like the Roosters again, which they've they play very well against. Um, they get that opportunity to play the Roosters at home. I'm sure they'll be able to pick that win up. And, and, and playing against Penrith, like, I don't think anyone's going to get close to Penrith at, at the moment. They've just seemed to click into gear. But like, if they come away from the next five games winning two or three, like I think, you know, sitting 10 or 11 weeks into the season, they've only, only dropped four or five games. I think everyone will give them a massive pass mark. Yeah, the Warriors haven't beaten the Storm in the Anzac Day game in nine years, but do you remember the last time the Warriors did actually beat the Storm? It was a game at Mount Smart Stadium, and some uh, some short guy with wearing headgear just jumped on top of somebody and threw a ball between his legs. I was actually at that game, and I was at that 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 stand end watching that unfold as um, Tui Lolo here, I think, scored in the corner That's after right. that, and that was just phenomenal, and that was just... One of those games that, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to say I was there when that happened. And um, Nathan Friend, I think that, that pass will go down in, in infamy for the rest of rugby league folklore history. And, um, you know, what was that, four, five years ago now, that they maybe six years ago now at Mount Smart, that game. And they haven't really seemed to have come close to Melbourne since then. But uh, that, that was definitely one for, you know, I was there when. And it was such a, such a miracle moment. And I don't think if they... They they perform that a hundred times. I don't think he'd pull it off ever again. So they're, they're very lucky to get away with that pass. And it was just one of those phenomenal things. Yeah, I agree. And just one more thing on the Warriors as well. He touched on Dylan Walker and the halves. And when I saw that, I was quite surprised. I know he can play there, but I was pretty certain Andrew Webster was adamant Dylan Walker would not be changing his role out of his fourteen. And I don't want to say I'm worried, but he's had such an impact off the bench, and I'm kind of thinking, uh, Zach, whenever he comes on, the Warriors seem to play well, but if, I kind of don't know if he's going to have that same impact playing at six. Yeah, you, you're, you're right, Ben. I actually agree with you there because what we've seen him and 
Jazz Tavanga have this great dynamic coming off the bench together, the Bald Brothers. It's great that Jazz is taping his head up so I can tell them apart when they're playing. But I just <laughs> I think, you know, Dylan Walker, Dylan Walker's got that... Um, uh, his game was just built on impact, and I think that's what made him so good at Manly over the last couple of years when he was just coming on, causing havoc, and um, just just being really dynamic and, and putting all that effort into, into 40, 50 minutes off the bench. I honestly don't see him playing as much of a half. I think it'll just really be on Sean Johnson, and I think Dylan Walker will just really be there to sort of just pass the ball and make some tackles. And um, I think as long as he's doing that, and I think the Warriors sort of understand that Sean Johnson's going to be running everything, and, and obviously Dylan Walker has that skill. You know, he's represented New South Wales, and he's a, he's a brilliant player, and he's been for the Māori All-Stars as well. But uh, I don't see him as a long-term six, and obviously I think um, with just some sort of injuries, I think uh, Andrew Webster's gone, OK, well, we just need a little stopgap for this week, and um, Dylan Walker's a man that's put his hand up. But, you know, could easily see Tohu Harris sl- slot in there as well. Um, uh, it, it's It's really interesting to see him lamed up at six that's for sure yeah i agree and uh, the next game on saturday is the panthers up against the knights panthers huge favorites but i i i think stats kind of back this up now but how the knights look so much better without caelan ponga on the side yeah it's 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 actually really funny because you know they've got when i sort of saw that they'd signed tyson gamble um earlier in the year or late last year and I go, cool, he's going to play six for them and they're going to have either Clifford or Clune next to him and that's going to be a really good thing for them. And then all of a sudden they get Jackson Hastings too and I go, well, that's fantastic. Now they're going to have Hastings and Gamble together and KP at the back and then they go, well, actually we're going to play KP at six. And I said to myself thinking, well, it's probably not the best dynamic for the team because I think the way that Jackson Hastings can play and the way that Tyson Gamble is just a, a dog on the field, he's just so good to watch. And now we've got Lockie Miller, who's probably the best signing of 2023 thus far, and he is just electric out the back. Um, I, I honestly think there's, you know, this is a really good dynamic for the, the Knights, and it, it almost seems like they don't need Kalen Ponga, which is a crazy thing to say. But they just look really, really composed without him. Everyone sort of has slotted into their roles perfectly. But um, it's obviously a big test against the Penrith Panthers. Like their last fortnight has just been impeccable, and it's not so much about the points they're scoring. Like they're up 32-0 at halftime against Manly last weekend, and it was just like it was almost a training run. But the thing is that they're keeping these teams under 16, 18 points every week, and that's what wins premierships. Is that your defense is built on that, and that's not a new thing, and that's what we've been seeing Penrith do over the last three years and it was when they came second in, in the grand final in 20, 2010 they were the second best defensive side and then uh, 2020 rather and then 2021 when they won it and 2022 when they won it they were the best defensive side and it shows that if you can defend your line and you can be resilient you can turn teams away and you can then just go down the field and, and get points at will you will you will win the competition and you will win games. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then the last game on Saturday, Gold Coast Titans up against, I'm going to say, I know the top of the table, but the struggling Broncos after losing to the Raiders last week and the poor Broncos having to play on a Saturday night and travel out of Brisbane too. Yeah, look, I don't know how they're going to how they're going to fare. Um, you know, <laughs> going going 45 minutes down the motorway and play, well, after playing five straight games at Suncorp Stadium, which is uh, obviously really tough for them. I've got no sympathy for <laughs> the Brisbane Broncos, that's for sure. But, look, I think they'll have learnt more from that loss than they would have if they'd somehow got a win against uh, the Raiders last week. And 
thing that's probably a timely loss for them because a few of those things that they were doing that they weren't really, you know, they were just lucky to get away with because they were just playing so well and winning. But I think they would have gone back to the drawing board saying, yep, we probably needed that and um, that'll just give them some more ammunition going forward. But I think the Titans show that they've, you know, they've got some points in them, but they, they don't want to get into a grind, the Titans. They're just, they're happy to concede points, but then they'll just try run at you for 80 minutes and try just outscore you. They don't care about defense and that's why, um, you know, whenever the Titans play, it seems to be a really uh, entertaining game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy watching the Titans. They've got some great young players there. And then uh, the Sunday afternoon games, first one up, Raiders, second to last up against your your Dragons, who I've seen a few names being thrown out for his potential coach next year already, and that includes Des Hasler, and the latest one I see recently was Billy Slater. <laughs> I don't see Billy Slater uh, coaching anyone but uh, Melbourne and Queensland. I'd be very surprised if he um, wanted to take uh, an early guilty plea and then take uh, <laughs> take the Dragons because I don't, I don't think anyone needs that on their CV at the moment. But uh, I, I would think Shane Flanagan would be a great coach for them. Um, or, you know, someone like Jeff Tooby as well. But uh, look, this Raiders side, they've, they've shown that they've got a little bit of... Um, guts in their, in their performance and obviously it was great to see Jared Croker come back into the NRL after almost a year out of after injuries and playing reserve grade and he, he didn't look out of place you know he kicked you know and I think one of those things about having someone like him in their back line is he adds a lot of experience and I think that showed when um, when they're sort of a little bit under the pump you know the 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 Broncos are used to rolling over people's edges, but they just weren't able to do that, and they just sort of had a little bit of starch about them. I like the way that Corey Hordsbury's playing for uh, the Raiders, and they obviously get Jackie Weishen back this week too, so that sort of adds another strength to their bow. I think they'll be good enough to win, especially because they're at home. Um, it will be a tough game for the Dragons, but we, we've seen that even if the Dragons play badly, they're still being able to compete, and just like they did last year, you know, they're just there or thereabouts. They're just not getting it on the field every sort of week and I suppose it's sort of something similar that they've got with the Raiders at the moment too Yep, totally agree with you again mate and lastly, rounding off the round Bulldogs and Eels, a 13th versus 14th clash, uh, the Eels are favourites heading in, into that one That's uh, Ricardo I can tell is very confident of the Eels actually going back to back yeah, for the first time this year, so if they're lucky enough to get back-to-back wins, um, that, that'll be definitely interesting. But I think the the way that the the, the Bulldogs played with pretty much a reserve-grade forward pack last week, even though they got you know they got pounced you know pretty pretty badly by the end of it, they had a lot of resilience in their side. They actually played really well, and um, for the first 30 minutes, it was very competitive against um, very competitive against the the South Sydney Rabbitohs, but. It'll be really tough for them again. Um, obviously, the news broke today that uh, despite Viliami Kikau being named on Teamless Tuesdays, uh, ruptured his pectoral uh, muscle and he's out for the next sort of 10 weeks, which obviously is a pretty uh, big dagger for their uh, explosive forward pack. But they obviously get to beat a Pungai Jr. for the first time this year, which is fantastic news for them. Uh, but look, sh- the way that the, the Parramatta Eels have sort of gone about their work and look, they've had some a tough start to the year, there's no doubting that and that's why they've only got two wins to their name but I think they showed that even in a bit of an ugly game last week against the Tigers that they still have a couple of flaws but the thing is that they are really looking to turn up for each other and dig in and get that victory and that's what they had to do after scoring a few early tries and they sort of got a little bit of a scare there towards the end of the, uh, with the Tigers but It'll be a really competitive game. Um, obviously, they've got this massive rivalry from the 80s where they used to play in 
uh, hate each other and, and they almost needs, you know, someone like Joshy Reynolds to sort of spark that up from the, the Bulldogs and give a little bit of a bite and ruffle the feathers of Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown and Clint Gutherson. But I think this is actually a really good game to round out the round out the weekend and I really don't know if I can separate them. I don't know I don't think Ricardo will be happy with me saying that, but I've I've got a little sneaking suspicion that the Bulldogs are gonna have them. Oh, I'm going to text him immediately. He's not going to want you back next week. <laughs> uh, but uh, last one, would that be your game of the round or is there another game that is really standing out to you as a must-watch for a sports fan? Yeah, like honestly, for me, like, and I'm a big Sunday footy fan, so I'm all about that game. But I really think there's something about this Knights-Panthers game that um, yeah. that's calling me. I think it's got a, a really good potential especially in Newcastle and the way that's sort of been playing the last couple of weeks and we've seen the likes of Dom Young and, and Greg Marge who go up against um, uh, Taruva and, and uh, Brian Toll is a worth admission alone if you ask me and I think the way that Lachlan Croker has been playing uh, for the Knights up against you know Dylan Edwards who's sort of we sort of seen him uh, add another string to his bow a little bit of ball playing last week and he's got that little bit of a license now but I think that that Sunday that Sunday game is going to be pretty good to watch but um, I think if, if, you, if you're going to get to watch some footy this weekend make sure you watch Knights and the Panthers. I have to agree with you for one and all time 100% agree I, that's the game I'm definitely looking forward to seeing <laughs> uh, especially if the Knights get up you know they'll just be incredible and then more questions will be asked whether they need Ponga or back but uh, Stephen thank you so much for your time uh, and keep up the great work at Sports Freak.co.nz. Awesome, mate. Thank you. Have a good week, eh? You too. Uh, Stephen Gallagher there from sportsfreak.co.nz. He writes a lot of rugby league there and has lots of great opinions uh, on the game and also uh, with all the games and also about you know why people seem to enjoy the rugby league too. We are 26 minutes after nine here on SCNZ Extra Time. After the break, I'll throw a couple more talkback topics at you. I'd love to hear from you. 0800 150 811 or text us double eight double three.